Welcome to episode 297 of the No Proscenium Podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters, aka the kitchen table, here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, we have Balthazar Oxetra and Rob Morgan, both from Innerspace VR, talking about Mask Maker, their recent release, which was published by MWM Immersive. I've had the pleasure of playing Mask Maker. Uh, it's it's a there's there's a lot to it, so I haven't gotten all the way through. Um, but I've had the pleasure of playing Mask Maker. It is this absolutely lovely. Uh, puzzle-based story game uh, th- that revolves around making masks. Uh, there are elements, uh, story-wise, of uh, Shakespeare's The Tempest. There's this whole beautiful mechanic about discovering elements uh, that can be put onto the masks, and when you create the masks, you're then able to uh, inhabit these uh, characters on this magical island as you uh, s- slowly peel back the story of, uh, of the master of the island, uh, Prospero. Really great piece. Super happy to be able to talk to the guys uh, who are, who are across, uh, across the vast distance of the ocean. Uh, and we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Uh, there is a lot going on the website this week. We've had a bunch of uh, QAs uh, go up. We talked with the folks behind Brassroots District, which is popping off here in Los Angeles this July. And let me give you let me give you just a little a little tiny pro tip uh, uh, while you're doing this. Uh, you, you take a moment, take a moment to pause and uh, dial three two three. 596-1973. That's 323-596-1973. If you hit number two, you definitely won't regret it. And then maybe you'll go back and hit number one, particularly if you're here in Los Angeles. It'll all make sense. And if you want to know more about that, check out our piece about Brass Roots District. Uh, we talked with the guys over at Two Bit Circus as well this week. And just today on the on the site, uh, a little surprise for everybody. Pop-Up Magazine, who have always been an inspiration to me, uh, Pop-Up is this fantastic uh, translation of the classic magazine format into a live stage show. Uh, I've caught them numerous times at the Ace Hotel, uh, theater, the theater at the Ace Hotel here in Los Angeles. Just just an incredibly clever, really well-produced, I've seen like you know, brilliant documentaries there, and I got to see like Miller and Lord, like, you know, uh, talking, I think around like Lego movie time, like in person, it was really cool. So the reason why we're there on our site this week is that, uh, you know, they've done, they've done some pivoting like everybody else during the pandemic and they've come up with what they call the sidewalk issue. So starting today in San Francisco, in Brooklyn and here in Los Angeles and, and here in Los Angeles, the Ace Hotel is, is the center point uh, in Brooklyn. It's BAM. Uh, 
the the current issue of pop-up which would usually be a stage show has been turned into a story scavenger hunt um you're encouraged to bring your headphones uh obviously your phone right uh your headphones and because you can do some qr code stuff and a pocket full of quarters so usually when i have a pocket full of quarters i'm headed to the arcade yeah uh two people got that two people got that um anyway uh you can check out what's going on also at the site. Links in the show notes. Uh, it's just, it's exciting. Uh, we're, we're, we're gearing up for an immersive summer um, across everything. So we're getting out into the world. We're, we're, go, we're hanging out in parking lots. We're going back to theme parks. And VR is still going strong. Uh, Mask Maker is proof of that and then some. Also want to thank our latest backers who've jumped into the Patreon. Look, the Patreon is no joke. Uh, I, I, you know how much I hate talking about it, but if I don't talk about it, I become homeless. So uh, Jansen Lalek, Deborah Robinson, and Unwoman all jumped on uh, this week, and it, 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 means, it means a lot. Um, what we're looking for is to have 500 backers, uh, you know, hopefully everyone around the $5 mark by the end of the summer. Uh, so that we can have a really, really stable base for what we need to do going forward. Uh, for those who can give more, that's always lovely. Uh, but the most important thing you can do is just spread word about what we make. Our sustaining backers are the heart of all that, and I want to thank them. Uh, I want to thank Ari Hurston, who is behind Brassroots District, by the way, Brittany, Elaine, Emily Gillette, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F., Mark Baltazar, Samuel Mustry, Sydney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Thank you all. I know it's not always easy. Thank you for being our, our angels. Um, and everybody else, if you can, patreon.com slash no proscenium. Uh, we work, we, we do work hard. <laughs> we do. I, 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 I mid, uh, up to midnight doing things. Uh, uh, not every night, but, but you know, a lot. It's the hustle. 24 hour arts hustle, baby. It's, uh, the life I chose? No, it chose me. One's calling, one's destiny, uh, often manifests through a vocation. Uh, in the case of Mask Maker, you, as the player, are called into being the role of a master mask maker and unraveling the secrets of uh, of uh, your uh, those who've come before you. <laughs> No, I did not write this, obviously. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to talk with Balthazar and with Rob. Rob, who I've talked with before, um, and uh, in, a, in a piece that uh, didn't actually make it into the podcast, uh, I think because we were looking, he was trying to get something over here over on the West Coast, uh, and, and the stars didn't quite align. Uh, but uh, we've we've also reviewed Rob's work in because uh, Rob's works uh, in augmented reality as well as virtual reality, uh, and did some pieces in England uh, that involved uh, AR and storytelling. So I think you can dig up on the site on that. Um, and this was this was great. This was a great conversation. I thought originally this was going to be like, you know, something we're going to like team up with something else to like make a full episode and like, oh no, we got into it. So uh, buckle up and enjoy the ride and I will see you on the other side. (laughs) 
gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. It's morning where I am. I think it's evening where you are. So this is always the fun part. Um, we're here to talk about Mask Maker. And because uh, there's two of you, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourselves. So we'll start with, with Balthazar. Hello, Noah. Uh, so I'm Balthazar, the creative director and co-founder at uh, Inner Space VR. And I'm Rob. I'm the game writer on Mask Maker, and I also run an augmented reality studio called Playlines. All right. Oh, there we, Rob. There we go. Playlines. That's that. <laughs> we were talking before the video. So when we talked about this before, it's like boom. When you see your company, it's like, oh yeah, Playlines. Of course. Hmm. Um, that's that, that's the silly way my brain works. Um, well, it's it's really great to have you guys in because Mask Maker is something that I know the team here was really looking forward to releasing, and we're very happy it is out in the world. Uh, in a large part because we're kind of big mask nerds over here. Um, it's it's like a minor obsession of ours. You and mean traditional masks? Yeah, well, a traditional, well, yeah, traditional masks, masks in all form. I mean, like I I studied theater, so we studied mask work uh, as part of it. Um, but also, there's just there's just a lot of joy for um, there's something about the metaphor of the mask um, that. Sure that really kind of like, I think calls out to folks who are into role-playing into performing, into exploring alternate worlds. And that's, it's, it's, I'm kind of been fascinated by the fact that like VR isn't just a wash in people playing with mask mechanics as a metaphor for play. Um, like I actually thought we were going to get like a lot more of that yeah, a yeah. lot faster. Um, um, but, but you guys have, have, have dialed in on the whole, the whole concept and the, the, to the starting with the level of just like building the masks and making your masks and inhabiting characters that way. So I, I wonder if you could speak to, you know, what led you to make a game focused with this as the primary metaphor and to, to have crafting the mask be a, a key part of it. Um, there are different, uh, inspirations, uh, behind, uh, yeah, this, uh, this concept and why we decided to, to focus on, on the crafting. I would say, um, the, the, the two major ones are, uh, are one, the fact that I lived among masks, uh, uh, for most of my life as my, my father is a collector of, uh, of traditional masks. And uh, and also uh, an artist, so uh, it's not only the, the 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 spirituality and the the collectableness of the masks that interests him, but the aesthetics quality and how they are built. So uh, I was really um, like uh, immersed in uh, in the in the spirits of masks, uh, especially uh, during my childhood. Because he was, uh, he had all uh, his masks uh, in a, in his workshop where he was uh, working. Uh, so uh, the the tactileness and and the diversity of the masks and how they were made, uh, it's something that that was a part of me, but uh, more in the unconscious. And uh, the the other big inspiration is uh, VR itself. Um, as you as you said in your introduction, uh, the fact that uh, as a as a VR user you're wearing some kind of masks um, 
and the idea that um, you're in a uh, in a uh, in a fabric fabricated uh, alternate reality uh, that is uh, in a way uh, trapped inside this mask uh, is a is a is a really strong uh, idea. Um, and 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 the, the mass maker concept, in a way, it's uh, is the the collision of both of these uh, of these things. Um, and uh, even if uh, I think that the traditional masks uh, have a really different purpose than um, than virtual reality uh, masks or headsets, uh, I was really curious uh, to. To create uh, some kind of fusion be between the two, and how they could share, uh, like, uh, yeah, similar uh, similar purpose if if they were a look in a in a in a specific way, and 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 this uh, and this share um, shared uh, thing is uh, is the idea that uh, inside this mask there is another reality or uh, another. Uh, uh, angle to the uh, to the reality that you can uh, look through the through the mask. Uh, if yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, it does. There's there's a quality of like a dream within a dream to the process of you know finding the the form of the mask, making it, donning it, and and that and that all the different elements can create like the specificity uh, to to leap into a particular character. Um, yeah. yeah, that that element of identity was, you know, I, I I'd been lucky enough to to work with with Inner Space and Balthazar on on games previously, and then when he started telling me about Mask Maker, you know, showing me pictures from his dad's shop and his dad's workshop of all these masks, one thing that was really inspiring was that you know we tend to think of VR as as a place to go to see something interesting or to go to a new place, but for me. Um, and a, a lot of the really interesting work that's being done in VR now is not so much about what you're seeing, but who you're being. Mm. And so that ability to not just go into VR and be taken somewhere, but to actually be able to step into someone else's shoes or to experiment with other forms of identity. For us, you know, it's not so meaningful to immerse someone in a place if that place doesn't look back at them and, and make them feel like they're being observed. And then you can start to play with what kind of identity you're putting out into the world and how masks can allow you to change that. So even in the game where some mask changes might be relatively superficial, the story itself is about identity and being seen and being able to construct and reconstruct yourself. See, I, I absolutely love that. Cause like much like, much like masks, that metaphor of being able to like see the world through someone else's eyes and, and, you know, inviting people to embody a different person is also something, see? yeah, is something that isn't happening as much in VR as I was expecting it to right at the beginning. It feels like it's one of the core, one of the core affordances. It's maybe of, something that will happen uh, more into multiplayer or social experiences, uh, probably, uh, when they will be more expanded or expansive. Uh, exp uh, uh, sorry to interrupt. Oh no, no! It's, it, I'm talking to you guys, not the other way around. Um, so no, break. Uh, go in a little bit. So are you thinking just in terms of because of the way like the, the avatar, like uh, yeah, yeah, social yeah. spaces are? Like, yeah, obviously, yeah, the avatar. The, the fact that you will be able uh, in the 
in the in the social uh, experiences in VR to really build your avatar. Uh, so it's it's a form of mask uh, for me. The, the, the avatar. It's a, it's a different way to look at it, but uh, it's it's uh, I think it's uh, tapping in, into the same kind of uh, of need to to play uh, to be some, someone different. Uh, or to be able to uh, to play the role of of, uh, of a, a different being to uh, to to see the world from a different point of view, mm-hmm. and and I think the experiences uh, VR can uh, yeah uh, can can uh, can uh, propose can can uh, can can share can give uh, is really. Uh, uh, powerful uh, and and but it's true that uh, to this day we haven't seen a lot of this. But uh, I have the feeling that uh, it it will uh, really um, ex- be expanded in in the in the close future with uh, with more multiplayer experiences. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that when you start thinking about you know co presence and and VR spaces where you might be meeting other real people, I think that urge to want to be able to buy and put a hat on your avatar or customize its appearance is so much more kind of direct. But at the same time, if you're trying to put the user into an immersive story, even if it's single player, in a way, VR can't be single player in the same way that a conventional video game experience is. Because for me as a, you know, thinking about immersive in terms of narrative, you need to be able to identify who you are and what your goals are and, and what what this simulation expects from you and to have a sense of your identity within that space rather than just being a protagonist, rather than just being yeah. somebody whose identity you don't need to get hold of. And so when that's a bit uncertain, the identity is uncertain as in Mask Maker, you know, it's a classic video game thing about you know, yeah not, exactly not not knowing quite who you are and following the instructions that's a, an interesting place to put the player into but then you want them to be kind of starting to ask questions and constructing their environment their their sense of identity so they know who they are in the story otherwise for me there's a limitation to to immersion well and there's there's something kind of very i want to say true about just you know, we are who we are in relation to others far more than we are in who we are in relation to our, ourselves, yeah. right? Like we, we don't really, you don't really figure out who you are in, in your room, in the infinitude of all the books you have. And like, you have this concept of who you might be, but you get out into the world and how you're reacting is, is to other people and how other people are treating you and whether or not you're like resisting the role they're trying to put on you that's identity mm. and Balthazar your, your point of like you know there's something about we're going to see more of this as, as social comes up I mean that comes into it and then Rob your, your point of you know even a single player game how that world sees the player reacts to the player what it expects mm. out of the player and then how the player reacts to those expectations that's where the personal narrative emerges from right yeah, so so we hope that uh, as as Westmaker uh, is a single uh, player experience, we hope that uh, this um, this feeling of identity through the environment, through the the, the crafting in the in the various interactions, create uh, some kind of uh, yeah of a reaction, uh, and uh, and even if if there is a um, kind of a specific character, we're trying to. Um, 
to tell the story uh, about. We hope that uh, through this, this character um, and players can realize uh, them, themselves in some way uh, and, and find some, something uh, about them. Um, yeah, um, that's the, the ultimate goal. Uh, so, but oh, it's uh, it's it's pretty ambitious. That that yeah. that was at least the initial goal behind this uh, identity, like a kind of reconstruction, um, uh, yeah, concept. Well, and, and speaking of character, like naming a character Prospero, like plunges us right into Shakespeare's turf. So I wonder. Uh, and and that brings that brings a lot of like you know baggage with it both like positive and uh, I mean with that particular show not too much negative baggage but it does there is some like table stakes and expectations get set by like dropping that name for those who who know their bard yeah. so I wonder <laughs> what, what led what led to making that choice and kind of you know framing it all that way um honestly it's it's funny because I I I, I agree with you it's something. I was uh, a little bit hesitant to keep uh, in the final game uh, because because um, first of all uh, it was a for me it was a cool sounding name honestly um, it is a and... cool sounding name it's a great name like no doubt uh, but uh, and of course I was um, aware of 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 the baggage uh, the, the and um, the heaviness in a way of the. Um, of, 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 of this uh, title but because um, and and also because um, a, a bit uh, before we released the game uh, uh, we had the Tempest um, experience from um, Tenderclose mm. uh, that uh, that also used similar inspiration uh, but actually the, the our first pero was a uh, was uh, was named a Prospero before uh, I realized that uh, they were using it, uh, so that 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 gave me a few reasons uh, n- not to to use it, but uh, at the same time, uh, b- um, the story uh, we were worked on with with Rob kind of reinforced the fact that having uh, a kind of uh, too too heavy too heavy name to wear. To this character, uh, felt uh, felt meaningful. Uh, mm. Can you el- el- elaborate a bit on that, uh, Rob? If you, yeah. <laughs> if you can. So, Prospero as a name was was attached to the the concept and the idea in you know for Balthazar since before I I joined this project. And I mean, you know, that I think I, I think there's a, a really good reason that uh, lots of VR refers to the Tempest. You know, there's um, there's a, a show called Current Rising coming up at the Royal Opera. Uh, really soon, starting next week, I think, um, here in London. Um, and I think it's because the play, you know, it's a mask. It's a mask with a cue in the very traditional sense. It's a court mask. And it's about mm. identity and magic and about being able to remake and, and re-engineer and reimagine oneself. But I think the name is really, it's a shorthand in some way for sort of, you know, a somewhat morally ambiguous Shakespearean figure. It's a shorthand for a magical magician figure who's able to define their environment a little bit. But of course, if you do know your Shakespeare, you know that really his island, Prospero's world, runs out of control pretty quickly as soon as a new element is introduced. That That's sort of the role of that name in the story because 
you as the player are going to come in as a new element who's been introduced into Prospero's world, a world that he has had a lot of control over on a magical basis to make and remake as he sees fit for a long time. And you're going to come in, and at first he's going to be quite you know, warm and, and treat you in a, a sort of apprentice sort of way. But then gradually you're going to realize that there might be more to the story in the same way that, you know, we've got fantastic revisions of, of the, 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 the Tempest story from the perspective of Ariel, from the perspective of Sycorax. Um, you know, it, it, adds a dose, it adds a note of magic. It, it creates a frame narrative in which you know you're going into a world with a powerful magical figure who doesn't get everything right, who's perhaps a bit paternalistic. And it just, I mean, it sounds cool. <laughs> well, also, I love, Balthazar, I love what you said about, you know, the, the name having weight, mm. right? Like, kind of like taking that on. And, and there's, that reminds me, like, you know, there's, there's a weight to a mask, right? Like, particularly like, uh, yeah. Uh, if a mask is particularly interesting, it often has a great weight to it. And that weight can even be, it can feel heavier than than the materials itself. I don't know if you've ever I mean, you've yeah, yeah, I see what that you particular mean. feeling. Yeah, 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 I see what you mean. Yeah, even a really simple one, and that's what we wanted to convey with with the this idea of of the really simple mask being uh, the ultimate one in a way, um, mm. and and that's a, a bit the, the the same with uh, with Prospero name, but in a different way. This character, um, the story of the apprentice. Is a one uh, is is um, is is a person who wants to uh, go directly to to the last step with, uh, without learning all the the steps in between, mm. and and uh, and using this uh, and uh, this Prospero name in a way is the is uh, you cannot uh, you need to earn to earn it. Uh, like the like the the mask makers um, mask because it's uh, you you can only be mask maker uh, after having done all the, the steps uh, and learned all the different crafting techniques. Mm. So um, yeah, uh, in a different way, uh, the the name um, Prospero mm. is. Um, uh, shows that he wants to to have uh, like uh, to attach uh, to to himself like uh, uh, the the crown before being crowned uh, and uh, yeah uh, and 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 the same for the this uh, this this uh, mask uh, is trying to to reach um, uh, before he he, he can uh, he, he earns he he earned it. That's particularly interesting, given that, you know, the, the, the one of the central mechanics of the game is actually, you know, physically assembling the mask. Like, you know, I mean, crafting mechanics are, have been, it sounds a, a bit twee to say crafting mechanics are just like such a big thing in games these days. But like crafting, the idea of crafting mechanics in games, particularly over the last 10, 15 years, it's become almost so integral to it. And yet so much of that in video games is just managing a yeah. different kind of spreadsheet in a, UI, in a, in a prettier <laughs> UI. And yeah. here it's, no, you're, you're crafting, you're going through the motions. I'm wondering if, is there, 
is there a, a version of it as you were prototyping that particular mechanic that was maybe even more labor intensive than what it is right now? <laughs> or or how how did you guys settle on on Do you think it action? was labor intensive? In a good way. In a good like I mean like, I'm I'm not I'm not that's not meant as like a like oh this is too much. Like I really enjoy chipping away. Right, like there's there's this there's a tuning here of abstraction to reality, right? Like mm. there's no way in hell I could actually carve one of those masks. So I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm wondering like how you guys settled on that particular tuning of of, of the point to it's going to be this many steps so that someone feels like they've done something or like yeah. what was too far, what 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 wasn't enough. Mm, I would say a lot of iterations, uh, and and like you, being scared of of uh, of of the crafting for the sake of crafting. Um, but uh, we are lucky uh, in VR to have uh, to to be able to to play with uh, with simple things and making them magical uh, again. Uh, mm. If they are if they are intuitive enough, <laughs> um, so we one of the one of the main mechanics, as you said, is the carving uh, for the uh, with the different crafting techniques, and we it, it's it's a it's a pretty complex uh, um, technique. Uh, we uh, with different like um, uh, it's a, how, how can I say. Uh, it's, it, it, I, I like the idea that ultimately uh, it's pretty pretty natural, um, but uh, behind the hood, uh, behind the hood, there are a lot of uh, pretty complex things that happen because we have to morph the mesh uh, in a pretty na natural way and, and do all sorts of. There are all sorts of tweaks to 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 make you feel like you're uh, carving. Uh, without uh, all the uh, hurdles uh, of of uh, of having to actually carve wood, um, so yes, it's uh, it's really fine tuning and uh, and being uh, and trying to convey the essence of the of the the interaction without the the hurdles. That's kind of the the key, um, and and the same applied to the painting uh, interactions. Uh, at first, we had a more freeform kind of uh, painting uh, system, but uh, it was really difficult to make something pretty. Uh, and mm. also, as the crafting is part of the of the uh, game loop, and as you need to, uh, we decided at some point to create more specific uh, masks in order to progress in the game. Having to uh, to do something really specific with a really freeform tool is a, it was a, yeah it was just a contradictory. So we try to find a balance between having um, something that you that you felt like uh, uh, that that gives the, the feeling of painting without having to uh, uh, to have something to. Uh, Without, uh, uh, yeah, giving you too too much of a bl blank canvas without uh, knowing what to do, and uh, and and because it's it's pretty difficult to to make something pretty uh, when you're not actually uh, <laughs> a painter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we had to find. Um, 
like a, a, a sort of um, uh, of system and, and ultimate, ultimately it became this uh, paint by numbers kind of system which felt like the good balance between uh, do it your uh, do it yourself like a real painter and uh, and, and something really codified and really uh, uh, framed yeah i think it's it's one of the maybe counterintuitive things about designing a, an adventure game a puzzle game for vr because you know i i grew up playing monkey island changing over floppy disks on an atari trying to to, to make that game work and and loved it and I would say that, you know, one of the things that we really learned from the previous game, one thing that I really learned from the previous game I made in the space, which was uh, Fisherman's Tale, which did, did very well and, and won, won various awards. But one of the relatively few criticisms people had for it was that it held your hand a little bit too much. It would give you a prompt where mm. for a puzzle where perhaps you didn't feel like you needed one. And that meant, you know, a, a line or a joke I'd written was outstaying its welcome. So... It was an opportunity to look again at what it's like to try to play a relatively intricate puzzle in VR. And I think one of the things is when the player is really present, compared to the very kind of abstract fourth wall breaking presentation of most sort of classic point and click adventure games, when the player's really there, I think there's more of an urge for them to want to work it out themselves in all kinds of different ways. There's a tactile joy in being able to sort and shuffle through the, the, the potential solutions. And especially in a game like this, where you're not kind of combining objects together or trying to solve a logic puzzle necessarily like you would in an adventure game, but you're combining colors and, and objects to, to try to mimic something or create something. You know, it, it's open-ended and it, in a way it asks a lot of the player, but I think that's because we're placing them in a world where they want to feel part of it. And so oddly, you know, the kind of puzzles, the kind of adventure uh, puzzle design that would work really well on a flat screen can feel very pat and like they really, really hold your hand. Whereas users in VR would go through an experience wanting to, to dig in themselves and, and really literally roll their sleeves up and, and have the tactile experience of trying to sort it out themselves in a way that wouldn't work if you'd, you know, if it was a piece of design for flat screen. So, you know, it, it's been a learning process, but that's what's cool about getting to work with Space because they produce these amazing, really tactile puzzles that really feel involving, you know? Yeah. There's something to the, to like a sort of a side reel approach mm. to these problem solving, right? It's almost like the, the more, the more immersive a world is, the more a puzzle feels like a problem and not like a puzzle. Right? Yeah. Yes. But a, a problem you want to involve yourself and you want to have a real part in, in fixing it so that a hint system works differently. The, the distance at which you're held from the puzzle and how abstractly it's presented works differently. And we're still exploring this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things it's possibly the most fascinating part of the current evolution of, of game design in VR is, you know, you know, what does it mean when, when it's like really a 360 environment, but like the, the player can't, can't roll back to a third person perspective and kind of master the field, you know, mm. how, how much, how much glowy bits do you give to like draw attention versus, 
you know, how much do you make it, you know, make, make people really hunt for, for what it is they're looking. Um, mm. Particularly when every single thing can feel like a red herring, like anything in the environment is like automatically. So you, you striking that balance is, it's going to be, I think, hard for everybody. Right? Yes. You don't want, you don't want things to feel like looking at a, a Scooby-Doo, you know, cell where it's like, oh, that's not in the background. <laughs> That's clearly an object we can interact with. Um, have, have you guys also seen um, sort of the the expectations and and the savvy of the VR audience changing? Uh, you know, from from game to game. Uh, you just mentioned you know some of the notes were like too handholdy, and so you've you've stepped away from that. I'm wondering as as the pool of of people who have the stuff the stuff we have the equipment uh, widens if if you're seeing a, a change in the the sort of you know yeah. desires of the audience yeah i, I think there is a before and a half and an after uh, alpha felix uh, in that um, in, uh, in, uh, in that way because um I, I'm not uh, I, I don't think ga- um, in terms of game design, um, it's it was really uh, groundbreaking, but in terms of the level of interaction you have with the world at a given moment, it really uh, set uh, the bar uh, pretty high, uh, and uh, the the graphic f- fidelity also, uh, even if it's not absolutely photorealistic, it's uh, it's pretty decent. Um, so both can can uh, give the really strong uh, feeling of of being there and being be- able to touch and interact with every object in the scene. And I think, uh, yeah, we we've seen uh, the audience react differently since uh, uh, since Half Life, Alex, and, and before because before there was not like a really uh, a role model. Uh, Every 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 developer, uh, you had like small breakthroughs uh, here and there, and and people doing uh, that in a, in really smart ways, uh, but uh, they really um, yeah create a, a bar uh, in terms of of interaction and uh, and graphic fidelity in general, and and uh, we every game since then has to to be able to yeah to need to be compared uh, in some ways uh, to to Half-Life Alex, which is uh, not a bad thing because I think we can do uh, far more interesting and original. Um, and with fewer but, head crabs. But yeah, it's a challenge. I, I mean, it's a, it will be a, cha- a challenging thing, especially for PC players. I think Quest mm. uh, users uh, is it, different because they don't have Half-Life uh, Alex. They are aware it's, <laughs> it's existi- mm. existing, but um, they haven't played it. So, um, especially for mass maker, as it's a more uh, stylized experience, um, be, uh, between this game and the previous game we we released, we we we've seen quite uh, a difference in terms of the expectation, uh, especially on these uh, two um, two uh, two aspects. Yeah, I think having those having those models for comparison is so helpful, not just to show, you know, Half-Life Alex Sonic kind of it didn't it didn't change everything, but it proved so much. But equally, I think 
you know, part of the reason, and maybe part of the reason the hype cycle for VR has been so sort of lumpy and counterintuitive is partly also that some of those expectations among early VR users that you had to deal with were expectations from movies from the 80s and 90s. I think there was a really strong element that we've been hearing the words virtual reality for a long time and having an image of what it's supposed to look like. And that image is relatively easy to convey. You put the helmet on and you just are somewhere else. We've seen that in fiction so much long before it was even technically feasible. And so in a way, I think there was also kind of an expectation hurdle with early VR that it had to go up against Johnny Mnemonic, you know, and, yeah. and, and images of, of how VR is supposed to work, you know, in contrast to AR, which is so difficult to describe, difficult to, to abstract in many or, ways. Or even but, in contrast to like right. a smartphone, which is something that, you know, we weren't, it wasn't a popular dream in fiction. Yeah. We didn't spend the eighties and nineties watching people like swipe <laughs> on their phones and like, yeah. you know, order food. Like yeah. we, no one aspired to owning an iPhone in 1993. You know, yeah. they would have said like, Apple is going to be around. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hand me that windows machine, you know, so. but getting lost in the simulation is something that has been appealing, you know, since, since before even that idea, it's an idea that's yeah. core to literature itself. So now I think people have models of really good, successful VR experiences that live up to what they might have been hoping for, but they're not going into them and ultimately being disappointed by being able to spot the strings because, you know, that's that's not really the point anyway. You know, chasing visual fidelity is only part of it. Yeah. So I think that that savvy has also come with a more realistic calibration of expectations that mm. in, in some ways may have gone down as well as up as as technology's got better you know and i think that's that's a good thing because we're not in the realm of fantasy we're not trying to trick people into thinking they're somewhere they're not we're trying to make a story they want to be part of that's a lovely place for us to land <laughs> on uh balthazar and rob thank you so much Massmaker is is really beautiful and the 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 core conceit is is so much fun to play with so um i'm i'm really glad this is out there and hopefully uh you know doing its part to you know change the dialogue about what vr games can be because i think there's something there's something really to this so thanks guys thank you Nora. Once again, I want to thank Balthazar and Rob for being our guests on the show. You can find Mask Maker on Steam VR, Viveport, Oculus, and PlayStation VR. And if you like, if you like, uh, you know, environmental puzzle-based storytelling uh, and some really cool crafting mechanics, uh, this this one this one's gonna do it for you. This one's gonna do it for you. All right. Uh, a few more things before I let you go. Uh, just some heads up on on things that are on the site and uh, things that are coming up uh, event-wise. Uh, of course, long-term event-wise, we've got uh, the Summit and Festival coming up uh, January 7th, 8th, and 9th at the Pasadena Playhouse in Pasadena. Well, we're going into our uh, booking mode this month as we get into planning. Um Odds are going to be a lot of the stuff we were trying to do in 2020 is going to manage to make its way into the 2022 edition. Uh, but we'll also be having some all new stuff. Um, 
Because, you know, it's not like the world's changed or anything in the past, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, that's coming together. Uh, there'll be some more more definitive information about that uh, as we get towards the end of the summer. Uh, but uh, the dates are the dates are locked. So uh, if you're if you've been thinking about it, uh, clear them clear them dates off. Just uh, get ready to be here. Um, more on that soon. A little bit closer. Uh, a little coming up here. Um, The next week's episode uh, of the podcast is going to be focusing on the Tribeca Film Festival. I can say that with surety because I'm recording the the first of the interviews for that today. Uh, That'll be episode 298. Episode 299 is already in the can. I had a lovely chat with uh, Shivana Lachlan, who you know from Broken Bone Bathtub, and Please Don't Touch the Artist. Uh, this is another in-person interview. Uh, it was lovely. We also had uh, we also had a kitty guest during part of it, so I get distracted. Um, <laughs> get distracted by a cat. Um, that one's coming up. Uh, looking forward to, to sharing that with you. And Siobhan's been, you know, such a sort of mainstay of uh, the No Persinium universe, it it makes a lot of sense that episode 299 would be hers. Episode 300 is after that. That's going to be a team speak episode. Uh, and then we're going to take a tiny little break on the 4th of July weekend. And then when we get back, episode 301, and I'll just, I won't say anything more. Just know, like, we're getting very excited about what we're working on. Um, it's, uh, unlike anything we've done before. Ha ha. Um, this month, there are two events I want to draw your attention to, uh, that we are, uh, we're working on or working on our friends, working with on our friends, working on our friends with, oh, we're always working on our friends and our friends are always working on us on the 21st, the 21st of June. That is a Monday. Uh, it is the first in-person LEA, League of Experiential and Immersive Artists meeting in Los Angeles uh, in over a year. Uh, and this one's pretty big one. We're going to be at the Roguelike Tavern at 7 p.m. Uh, the proprietor, uh, John McCormick, uh, who you probably know from, in L.A. from Speakeasy Society shows, uh, is letting us use the spot. Uh, I think we're going to have like a, a drink minimum uh, for everybody or like the equivalent drink minimum. There's the, There should be food going on. Uh, we'll also be uh, live streaming a camera out of there, um, which admittedly will probably be like a mildly awkward setup. That's both for anyone who, uh, doesn't feel comfortable coming down. Cause I don't want to exclude anyone. Like not everyone's in that mode yet. I trust me. I get it. Uh, I do not, do not want to make anyone do anything that they're not already enthusiastically wanting to do. Uh, and then uh, also for people who are outside of LA, uh, because Leia is uh, opening up membership, and we're going to be inducting people uh, at long, long last. We're, we're really doing it. Um, you know, uh, it's just it's time. It's time, uh, and we're headed towards uh, a couple of election cycles as we, uh, you know, move forward with uh, the projects and get the committees rolling, and you know, use the league as kind of a, a meta organizing body for the community. I'm, I'm there's, there's a lot of structural and infrastructure things that as a community we can do that's going to make things a lot easier for the creative community to work on that together uh, and to kind of coordinate 
you know, the various efforts. And um, I'm a big believer in democracy. And so that's, that's why we've poured, you know, a lot of energy in the last few years to try and make this thing be a thing. So now it's going to be a thing. That's the 21st. Uh, I hope you, if you're in the area, uh, are down for coming on down. Uh, we're going to be announcing, uh, like I said, formally inducting some folks uh, as members, uh, getting the national network started. And uh, I'll be reaching out to more folks in the next week to kind of prime the pump there. Uh, if you haven't gotten a letter already, uh, and you know me, and I've been bugging you about this stuff over the years, you're going to get a letter. Uh, and uh, if you're not tapped in, go to Design. L-E-I-A dot design and connect with us there. I'll put it in the show notes. You know, I will also, and, uh, this one, uh, the links for this should go up next week, early next week. Um, we're gonna do a little event here under the no pro banner, uh, a virtual event on Monday, the 28th in the evening. Uh, looks like it's going to be six o'clock, uh, West Coast time, um, basics of PR and pitching. Uh, so uh, p- promo 101 from the NoPro team. Uh, this is, uh, it's going to be an Eventbrite uh, ticket. It's going to be two bucks uh, just because, you know, when we do events and we don't charge money, people don't show up and, uh, you know, so a little, there's a little like penalty. So $2, but I don't want to charge it a lot. Two dollars uh, for for everybody um, on that one. No no member split thing. Just because it's it's super low. Uh, I suppose maybe I'll do like adult. Nah, no two bucks. Two bucks. Come on. Uh, two dollars in. Uh, and what this one is going to cover is just just the absolute basics of you know from the point of view of people who receive a lot of these things. What should be in your press release? Uh, you know, how to do things like create an embargo on your information, uh, you know, what kind of images you should have, uh, how to sort of reduce friction on getting word about your work out into the world. That's going to be like about 20, 25 minutes. And then the back end of it is going to be specifically about the, uh, the Everything Immersive site about how that works, how best to use that, and about uh, how to pitch us at NoPro, like what we're looking for. Um, again, wouldn't charge money for that, but when when we don't, people flake. So $2, just $2 for that. Um, if, if you don't have $2, but you, you want to come through, uh, I, I recommend hollering at us on like the day of. All right. So like if you're if you're committed to come through, like I'll I'll sneak you in the back door. But if you want to reserve a spot uh, and with whatever spots we have left. Right. If you want to reserve a spot, it's two bucks. Actually, that's the way to think about it. Yeah. Reserve a spot. Two dollars. Day of, you know, just knock on the door. Uh, Okay. Look at me. Ten minutes ago in my time, an hour ago in your time, I was begging for money on Patreon. And right now I'm just like, I don't want you, I don't want your money. (laughs) I, I, I wish I, I wish I didn't. I really, I really wish I didn't. That lotto still hasn't come through yet though. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. All right. Um, (laughs) the vaccine lotto is started like California did one today and I'm starting to get like angry. I'm like, but like, I didn't, you mean I should have held out? If I held out, I could get $50,000, man. 
I'll wear a mask for another two weeks for $50,000. Hell, I'll wear a silly mask for two weeks for $50,000. If anyone out there has some Bitcoin they want to get rid of uh, and wants to watch me wear a silly mask for two weeks, please hit me up. I'll even start a Coinbase account. Uh, I need it. I need the uh, Bitcoin up front, though, because uh, it may not be worth $50,000 by the time uh, you send it to me. Okay. Uh, now I'm rambling. Now the coffee's working. I got to go get ready for an interview. Um, oh, I'm excited, y'all. I am. I just am. Maybe I'm being silly, but I'm. I'm. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to scream like we're back. I know that the whole world is still in, in a mess, but it's been something to watch our little corner of it spring back. And I'm starting to get inspired and I'm starting to look at the big picture again. And, um, and, and for those of you who follow me on social media, you know, I had a crazy last weekend. I had a guy break into my house while I was in it at one thirty in the morning. It's a whole thing. You can go look at my socials like, and somehow I've come out of that in like a really great mood. <laughs> I guess also if you chase a man off at like one thirty in the morning, <laughs> with your walking stick and like the guy just like flees um because he he thought a wizard was telling him he crawls out through your bathroom window uh i guess if you chase someone out of your house you 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 get like a confidence boost so yeah um i'm feeling kind of awesome uh this is not an invitation for other people to try to break into my house like you you will really regret it if you do it now uh no i don't have a firearm i would too big, big of a Batman fan to own that, but there are other things you will regret. Trust me. Uh, so, so don't get any ideas. Um, <laughs> I laugh cause it's true. All right. That's enough. That's enough for me. Um, will, uh, Oh, 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 Patreon backers. Check your feed. Know that there is a, at least for now that there's a separate, podcast feed uh that has the review crew in it and uh, there's like an hour 45 minute of the crew this week uh totally worth checking out um they they talk about if musibia they talk about uh scraps escape from the laboratory of shifting rules they talk about the nest uh and they talk about welcome home really great conversation uh the team gets into it and uh that one's up there for the backers so again if you're a backer of the show uh that's one of the things uh, that's exclusive to you patreon.com slash no proscenium all right enough enough let's do the credits music for no proscenium is by chris porter of the speakeasy society uh, our sustaining backers are mark baltazar jan budman paul f sydney guillory lonnie hands on ari hurston emily gillette samuel mystery Brittany, and elaine all of you, all of you, hit me up. We're overdue for a chat. All right. Until next time, I will see you at the show. <laughs> <laughs>